Welcome back to Your 1230, the only podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of 12 questions in just 30 minutes. Today, we are very, very excited to be joined by Mia Smithson. Mia is the CEO and founder of the 30K program, where she empowers women to get higher paying jobs they adore by teaching them how to effectively package skills and strategically negotiate with confidence. Uh, she's also the global director of talent management, overseeing hiring and leadership for 400 plus employees and 450 plus contractors in seven countries. She's trained more than 100 hiring managers and interviewed more than 5,000 professionals for companies like Disney, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and Microsoft. Mia, welcome. We are uh, excited to talk to you tonight. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Great. Excellent to hear. Uh, so let's start up top. The 30K program, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so we are a program that helps women find jobs they adore that pay 30K more than their current level. And we do it within 48 coaching sessions. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I've got, I've got a few follow-ups. Um, so the first one might be kind of basic, but do these women know the job that they would adore before they meet with you? Or does that come out in the coaching sessions? Or is it, I don't know what I want to do next? What do you get a lot of? Yeah, it's a mix. Some people think they know what they want. And then we start talking and they realize they actually don't. And others are like, I have like no idea. These are my skills, you know, help me. <laughs> so yeah, we always start with career strategy. That is the fundamental beginning. Okay. And 48 coaching sessions. Yeah. How, how do those come about? Are those one-on-one? -on -one? Are those consecutive days? What, what does that look like? Yeah. So we break it up. So coaching sessions one through seven are focused on career strategy. Eight through 25 are focused on implementing the strategy. And then the remaining coaching sessions are purely negotiation and offer letters. And so it is one-on-one -on -one coaching with a coach within the 30K program. Very nice. Okay. And 30K, that's both a fairly significant figure and a specific one. How how did you come up with it? And how do you help these women get to that number? Yeah, so this is a really important number to me, specifically because I started this program shortly after realizing I had been underpaid by $30,000. And the year right after I found that out, um, I went on to get three promotions within a year-long period and increased my comp to, you know, well over an additional 30K. So, um, yeah, it also, it's the number that I observed, because when I started, I wasn't so specific, right? I mean, we promised a very specific result, but it's because um, we know we've done enough coaching calls to know what is common. Um, with someone who works with a coach from the 30K program. And I will say, we focus on negotiation far more than almost any other coaching program I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're the only one I know that has a money back guarantee around the specific comp. So, yeah. Okay. And as, as much as you'd like to share, what do you remember thinking back to when you found out that, hey, I, I'm either working here or I have been working here for a good amount of time and I'm underpaid and I'm underpaid by a lot. What was that feeling like? 
felt undervalued. Because I specifically asked, I was like, well, is it, does it have anything to do with like my skill set and the value I bring? They were like, no, you didn't negotiate. Like you, you didn't even, like, <laughs> and I was like, are you freaking, are you kidding me? <laughs> and to be clear, when I found out that I was underpaid for 30000 I was already making, you know, my full package was already, you know, over six figures, right? So this can happen at every level. And 80%, roughly, of the women who join our program are already at six figures when they join, right? So it's something that most people are, like, surprised about when they, um, yeah, when they hear about it. Yeah, no, I think that makes a ton of sense because one, it puts a story behind the 30K and then why the negotiation piece is so central to the coaching and the program, because that's what was left on the table, essentially, in, in your experience. And plus, as you referenced, that this is not for somebody who necessarily is at an entry level or beginning job. This is a six-figure job. This is something that's well compensated, somebody who's well compensated, that there's still the potential to leave the uh, additional funds on on you know, on negotiation floor. Um, yeah. What I didn't get to, and because the bio is very extensive and impressive, uh, two ways to work with you. The first being the 30K program. The second, the Speedy Gonzalez. What can you tell us about that? Yeah. <laughs> so the Speedy <laughs> Gonzalez is um, essentially a mini version of the 30K program. It is one day. And it is... Eight, uh, eight sessions of um, 50 minutes and it is packed. So you literally, you go in there and every single hour we have clear deliverables of what we'll accomplish. And so this is for the person who's like, look, your program, it seems magical. Like this is incredible, right? Um, I want it like the, a mini version. We have available, so... <laughs> So well-named and it makes okay. sense if you can break, break it down to one session. There we go. Uh, so when we first talked, Mia, I was very excited about uh, the negotiation tactics, the way that it's so uh, present and profound as part of your program. I, I was ready to nerd out and see if we could role play for 30 minutes, but we decided, or at least it became apparent that that would be not great listening for anybody. So I'm going to restrain myself here and I'm just going to ask hopefully good and probing questions. Uh, the negotiation tactics you teach, uh, what are they, where did you learn them? And then how do you teach them? And I know that's three questions in one. So take whichever one you'd like first. Okay. I'll, yeah. So I'll start with, where did I learn them? I mean, I've done over 5,000 interviews, so that helps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm also, you know, obviously as global director of talent management, overseeing 800 people, you deal a lot with vendors and with others where you're doing, um, you know, pretty key negotiations. Yeah. And then as far as the specifics, I mean, I have a lot of favorites. So we'll start with a few. Okay, one of my all-time favorites is the reversal. And this is where, let's say, um, you're interviewing me. And you say, oh, what's the salary range that you're targeting? And I don't answer the question, right? But I reverse it. And I say, um, Oh, you know, before I let you know that information, could you let me know the salary range for the role? Right. 
And then let's just say that you say, oh, I'm, you know, we don't have that information at this time. The hiring manager is still solidifying the exact salary range for the role. Um, you know, what's that range that you're, you're targeting, right? So you push it back on me. The pros implement what's then called the double reversal. I'm at the edge of my seat, literally. <laughs> yeah, and this is where the person goes and responds. Um, well, once you do connect with that hiring manager, please just let me know that salary range. It's really important to me to have all the key information up front before proceeding to the next steps of the interview process. You just, what you sound put together, you just want to know all the information to, before proceeding. And I will say in the United States, in eight states, and this, you know, more states are constantly getting added, companies are legally required to let you know that information if you ask. But most people don't. That's and that's terrific because I think we have all been in certainly the interviewee seat where, you know, what do you want for a salary? And there's already quite the power dynamic between the interviewer and the interviewee between, you know, I really want this job. I want to be here. I, I don't want to say something by a figure that's going to disqualify me. Um, but the way you put it there, one, it's, it's excellent negotiation tactic and it shows that you're prepared and that you, when you are in a hot seat in, in the role, ideally you'll know how to handle it. Has anybody, I doubt that anybody's handled as well as, as your example you just gave, but while you were interviewing, is anyone been able to answer in, in a way they're like, hmm, that's, that's a good answer to that question. Or do you even ask that? Um, in sales, pull out an assumed close in a negotiation, which as we know, it's, you know, key <laughs> sales tactic. And how this person brought it up was, um, you know, they had done one reversal. I highly doubt they knew any of these terms, but they had done one reversal. And um, I had this salary range for that role. So I was like, okay, this is, you know, the rough range. And they were like, okay, great. And what's the bonus structure? Right. And if you notice, they didn't say like, oh, is there a bonus structure? It was just simply implied that there was one. And then if I were to respond back and say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry for this role. Now all of a sudden I'm, it's kind of like an awkward thing and it's, yeah. And so it's like that kind of confidence. You're like, who is this person? Cause they have a lot of confidence in themselves and in their ability. And I'll just say the tonality matters. You could write down the exact words of every single thing that I just said and not pull it off because you do not have the tone and you get the tone through practicing with someone who is skilled in this arena, right? And knowing what words to stress and where to pause, right? And, and being okay with the silence, right? The best negotiators, that's one of my favorite things. When I can always tell, right? Because I have this theory that calm people make the most money because they come in there, they're super calm. They allow for the pauses and you can just tell they know what they're doing, right? There's no, there's no question in my mind. That says an excellent answer, very descriptive. And you paint a very vivid picture there. Now I saw the calm people making more money or being potential to make more money. The other side of calm sometimes is that this person is quiet, this person doesn't care. How is a good way to show that you're calm, reserved in a tense situation, but it's not because 
I don't really care what's going on, or this is just how I carry myself. I'm professional. I know what I'm doing and I'm confident. I do believe there's a fine line there. How do you, uh, if you agree, how, how, how do you best handle that? Yeah. So I think what's, what I'm always looking for is someone who at the beginning of the call immediately builds rapport, right? Maybe they find something in common or they looked at my LinkedIn and they're like, oh, I noticed that you went to KU and wow, wow. Like they're building rapport, right? And they're still like calm, but they're, they're at least like interest, like they're interested, which hence makes them interesting, right? And then the the number one thing, and this is what I look for on resumes, and I also look for it when I'm actually during that interview, is quantification of value brought. So what I mean by that is, and Google has an excellent um, XYZ framework for this, accomplish X as measured by Y through doing C, right? And so as you're bringing up, you know, and you're answering things, quantifying it. Right. Like, you know, I implemented this program, which resulted in a 20 percent less churn, which led to well, or like, you know what I'm saying? Like paint that story. And if you're like, oh, where do I even find this? Um, I created and this is completely free. Um, Master the seven seconds. And it literally has like resume templates from friends of mine who worked at, you know, Google, Airbnb, Microsoft. And it, it literally gives you resume examples with this framework. So that way, you know, for all you visual people out there. So. So we'll be sure to include a link to that because that is a fantastic resource. So Mia, thank you for allowing our listeners to have a sneak peek there. Um, so I will. I, again, I could ask you negotiation questions all night. I will not. Um, one thing I want to highlight, though, is that it's negotiation because a lot of people think numbers. They think that classic example, sitting in a dealership arguing over the price of a car, that yes, a lot of time it is the salary, it's the compensation. Um, but you bring up the example of talking with vendors, that it's more of uh, position and interest, understanding where I am, where you are, how can we get to an agreement, and then what's really important to both of us. So it's not always figures, and I'm sure that comes up. Uh, so I want to ask about, you've mentioned the reversal, the double reversal. Um, one that's a little more common, but not widely known is BATNA. What can you tell us about that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So it stands for best alternative to a negotiated agreement. You brought up power dynamics earlier in the conversation, and you mentioned how the person getting interviewed is somewhat as a loss from a power dynamics point. I would actually disagree with that. Okay. Why? Because if someone knows how to effectively craft their job search strategy, they will know how to land the plane. And what I mean by that is they will be extremely specific in the number of applications that they're filling out every single week. They will have multiple offers that they will be getting around the same time. And I know what you're saying. How could you guarantee you're getting them around the same time? Here's the situation. Let's just say you're interviewing with a startup and a consulting firm. And the startup is, they are speeding through. They're like, oh, we have availability tomorrow for the next interview. But then this other company is like slow as molasses. But like, you're really interested in both, right? And you want offers from both. So then you kind of slow down a little bit, the one that's speeding so fast, and you'd be very transparent. So you're not like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're like, oh, I, you know, and you, you explain the situation. And then the one that's slow as molasses, you're like, hey, could we speed this, a this up a little bit? I'm 
really interested in this role. And at the same time, I am, you know, also interviewing with another company and their interview process is going a little bit faster. And I tell you what, I have pulled some strings you didn't think would be pulled because it was that, you know, dreamy candidate and they had other offers. And it also makes them look more attractive, right? No one wants to date the person who's like, look, you were the only option I could possibly find. So I guess we'll settle. Like, give me a break. No. No, I'm glad I'm glad you disagree there because those are that's another excellent example of a way to not only take the power during it back, but to establish it that not only am I gonna have the power in, in this interview, but I'm gonna have the whole process by saying, can we speed it up? Can we slow it down? Because I have alternatives that I view uh, as as attractive, if not more, than what we're talking about. So that's 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 a good example. Um, you know where, where I was going more with it is that in your general interview interviewee if the interviewer is coming back from a bad lunch you know the interviewer can be like i'm in a bad mood i can you know i don't have to show up for this i'm here as part of um you know you know the interviewee still even if it's a job that they are super qualified for they really want they've got to be on and they've got to perform you know if they had a bad experience in the lobby. Like they've got to shake that off because it's time to shake. It's time to perform. And I, I get the example that you give and I am <laughs> now I'm just rambling here. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is that I, in my experience, which is certainly not as extensive as yours, that I, I've seen that the interviewee is always needed to perform at, at their top or the interviewer may not, they may can, can walk in and they can kind of, they can call the shots. Um, but the example that you give kind of puts it on its face and kind of shows that's not really the case because I've done my homework. I know this is what you're looking for. I'm the best candidate X, Y, and Z. And if you're not going to slow down, speed up, meet me on my terms, uh, we're not going to go forward. So that's a good way to kind of, if not level the playing fields, tilt them to your advantage. So excellent, excellent example. Thank you. Um, so a lot of talking for me there, but uh, turning it around, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, the the other thing, the last negotiation tactic I wanted to ask you, the could we make an exception? How is that uh, utilized and how is that, uh, how does that work well? Oh my gosh, that's one of, one of my favorites. I got that from either um, getting to yes or getting past no. It's so good. Um, so this is where, you know, you are negotiating with, recruiter with a hiring manager and you ask for something and um they're like oh you know like no that that's or that's not possible and the response is could we make an exception if you notice i didn't say have you made an exception i don't care if they've made an exception i know that them making an exception now will allow them to have a phenomenal candidate that will deliver immense value Right. And so it's about also being strategic about the questions that you're asking <laughs> so that you get answers you want. <laughs> no, that's and that that's another another what seems like a minor distinction when you look at the words written down, but how you deliver it and when it is very important because if it's well, have you ever done this before? It's like, 
No, I haven't. And then could you know kind of lean in? Could we make an exception here? Again, I'm I'm your ideal candidate. This is very interesting to me. You want me here? I want to be here. Can we do this? It kind of gets them together. Um, I love it, love it. So I'm gonna switch switch gears a moment. Uh, one of the other things that jumped out at me the uh, chasing pennies in a dollars game. I love this because I think that that happens to a lot of people that you kind of focus in on something that's not as high priority, not as big a value, and kind of lose sight of the uh, the big picture. And the last kind of nerdy thing I'll tie to this: uh, when I was in law school, I did negotiation competitions, and the absolute best advice I got was uh, in these competitions you know, they give you these fake scenarios and everyone is just heated at trying to solve them. And our mentor was that, you know, you're not actually trying to win the scenario. You're trying to win the competition. You know, the ABC company is not actually getting a delivery from XYZ Corp. So it doesn't matter if they're getting a Tuesday or Wednesday. They're looking for how you perform, what your, what your uh, level of professionalism and so forth. So similar here it's like don't chase the pennies know what game you're playing and, and hit the right targets so that that kind of jumped out at me I was wondering what you um, work with your clients when you talk about uh, the dollars instead of the pennies I think about this all the time and yeah I can't tell you how many YouTube videos I've seen that are about like are you spending too much money on coffee and avocado toast and I'm like folks why are we having this discussion like women are earning 17.7 percent less than men do could we like talk about how we can help people make more money so that we stop counting pennies and trying to save on our avocado toast, which is phenomenal. So that's kind of the first piece. Um, within, when you're interviewing, I think it's really important to understand the cost of what you're asking for from the employer and um, like the ramifications. I'll give you a quick example. So bonuses right for most roles that i've seen manager level and above there's some sort of like a bonus structure um but at some companies it's only if you ask for it right and it's kind of that thing they're like well for the great negotiators you know we'll give it as like the extra perk um and so there'll be someone who will be like so adamant about their 10k signing bonus but then they won't negotiate for like a bonus structure that would allow them to earn, you know, X amount of money every single year, which could actually allow them to earn a lot more money, right? And so it's all about like thinking through like, what are we really asking? Um, yeah. And I will just say on that note, like your career, like what you're spending your 40 hours a week doing like the compounding effect of that is massive. So I calculated it for someone who um, starts a 30K program at the beginning of their career, right? It's 30K times 43, which is the average years um, someone in America works is 1.29 million. So that's like the potential ROI of someone who joins their, our program at the really beginning of their career. We're not even taking into account um, you know, compounding if they were to invest in the stock market or raises, typically raises are a percentage of your salary. So even the raise amounts would be higher. So it's like, I don't know, like, <laughs> I'm like, like, can we think this through people? Like if you're working in corporate America, like we got to be strategic. And some, what's fascinating is sometimes some people will make the argument, like, I just want a job where I'm happy. I just want to be happy. It's not about the money. And here's my answer. 
that's like showing up at a buffet and like only getting the Brussels sprouts, which is maybe not a great example. I just love Brussels sprouts. Like you could go in there and you could get the Brussels sprouts. You could also get the mashed potatoes. You should also get the dessert. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of companies. Like we are, this is not a like an or, this can be an and. The job you adore that is so fun, that has a work-life balance and that pays you competitively. You know what I'm saying? I, I love that not an or that this can be both that you don't you know just because you like where you work does not mean you have to be underpaid that's that's excellent. Um, I do want to kind of just wrap up with this question. Uh, we've talked a lot about how your clients are the best prepared, best ready, best uh, from we even touched on resumes or cover letters to get the interview, prepare for the interview, and then to negotiate once they're there. Uh, this is. You know, the underlying theme in all this is having the proper leverage to be in those seats and to perform properly. Um, sometimes, one, probably somebody who's not working with you can overestimate their leverage. How have you seen it kind of backfire when you've got, especially a candidate who um, is maybe playing a hand that is not as strong as they see and that kind of doesn't work out when they when they use uh, some of these tactics not as well or not as uh, not as proficiently as they should? Um, that's an interesting question. So I have, and this is primarily for sales roles where people are like negotiating and they're like totally messing it up, but they're really confident. They like, you can just tell that they will do whatever it takes, but like, they're not like, you know, they're, they're kind of stumbling a little bit as they're going through it. At least that person has the courage and the confidence. And I'm like, like for sales, maybe it was an extra training, you know, like we could, we could work with that. So I think that that is, um, is definitely part of it. I would say the other part is that like one of the most important things to me is like anticipating problems and solving those problems in advance. And that's something we work, we do literally, I mean, it's like every other session is like, what are the potential problems or problem solving? So it's like, this is in your control. There's a lot of things out there that's not in your control. And if you think that that person is you and that you are someone who could potentially fumble in negotiation and not do super well, practice, like get in your reps. You know, like Olympic swimmers are not just like out of the gate swimming Olympic. Like they're like, you know, like in a little fishy pool. Like they don't really know what they're doing until they get in the reps. So that is definitely a core kind of fundamental thing to do. Thank you. Another another great answer. That kind of triggered one last, I, mean, I know I said last, I'm going to follow up with this. We, you talked also about building the rapport and knowing uh, who you're interviewing with and you know connecting on a personal level. And, and you also mentioned problem solving. So part of that is research. Um, I have seen, and I'm sure you have, where research goes wrong and you come across, for lack of a better word, as a creep, as in how do you know these personal things about me necessarily? Or, um, you know, oh, yeah, we our, our kids go to the same school, but I don't have kids. I just saw you with your kid at this school. And it's like, well, that's, that's kind of strange. Uh, so what's a good way to, A, get that information so you can present solutions to possible problems? And if you're going to build that rapport, how can you find it in a way where it's not that you're going, you know, crossing lines to find out this information? Yeah, such a good question. So what you want to be looking for is one point of commonality. If you're bringing up multiple points, it's probably going to be taking up too much time in the interview and recruiters, they time it all out. 
right? Like they have so many seconds, like literally so many minutes per like question. Like it is uh, tight. And so <laughs> one point of commonality, and I always just say like, go to LinkedIn. If you find yourself browsing on their Instagram, we got problems. Just go to their LinkedIn, figure it out. And um, yeah, and if they don't have a LinkedIn, then you can back up Google search but just do, I, you know, I wouldn't go terribly in the weeds or else you could uncover some like, you know, craziness, but um, yeah. LinkedIn, good professional source. Thank you. Mia. <laughs> uh, so what we've covered a pretty good amount of ground uh, and I feel like I have certainly been all over the place, but is there anything I didn't ask you that I probably should have? Uh, well, I will just share, and this is something that I've been thinking a lot about, um, is how people make more money. I have a theory on this and it's eight fundamentals, but I promise you it's probably just gonna take a minute. Okay, number one, you can change the boat you're rowing in. Tech, consulting, sales, medicine, law and entrepreneurship typically have higher potential. Number two, increase your skill level. Number three, more effectively package your skills. Number four, get a job at a company that pays in the top 75th to 100th percentile. You can Google that if you need to. Um, number five, strategically negotiate with confidence. Six, up-level your habits, right? Showing up to work, you know, early, being prepared, et cetera. Seven, foster an abundant mindset uh, or abundant money mindset. So important. If you think making money is bad, you're probably not going to be making a lot of money. And eight, have the evidence and belief that you are in demand. Excellent. And I, and I know I keep saying last question, but you mentioned belief. I saw mindset in the bio. Uh, that's something that I have seen become more uh, prevalent as far as just material that you can read, study, uh, becoming no longer that, uh, you know, quote unquote, woo woo, or it's it. And I think you can really see the positive benefits of it. How, how do you, if at all, kind of focus on the mindset of someone who's coming to see you who might have uh, the skill level to land one of these sought after jobs, might not be that confident, might not be able to kind of uh, communicate in a way. How, how do you help them create the mindset first if you do? Yeah. So the number one thing that has shocked me about doing coaching has been the number of people who we help get them this results. And then all of a sudden they feel imposter syndrome. Right? They're like, I'm not gonna making this amount of money and I'm in this new role and oh my gosh. And so we literally now we do leadership development training and we focus specifically on helping them to realize that their skill set and who they are like is really valuable. And we have concrete exercises. My favorite is where we have them literally list out their accomplishments. And so when they're having those moments where they're like, why do they hire me? This is so real. I'm so scared. I can't even just talk. No. Then they literally have it all in like a Google Doc and they're like, wait a second. Hold on. I am qualified. <laughs> what was I thinking? Right? So you got to have that evidence up. When your brain goes crazy, pull up that evidence. Excellent. I love it. I easily could fire questions at you for the next hour, <laughs> but I will not. Uh, Mia, so I'm going to post the Master of the Seven Seconds resource you discussed. Where can our listeners find you if they want to find out more or connect with you directly? The30kprogram.com. Okay. Easy enough. We'll post that as well. Mia, thank you so much for joining us. This was a blast and I look forward to doing it again sometime. Fantastic. Thank you.